everybody. Welcome to another episode of 10,000 Roads to Financial Independence. Today, I have John Okocha. John Okocha is a managing principal of Okocha Equity Partners and a full-time real estate investor. He started his real estate investing career in 2013. He is a general partner in over 1,600 multifamily doors. John is a master at assessing and analyzing properties and market fundamentals for new acquisitions, as well as financial modeling for new investments. John easily builds strong relationships with broker, property owners, and passive investors. He works relentlessly to vet and acquire investment opportunities that deliver above average returns to investors. John holds a bachelor degree of science and economics from Texas A&M University. Um, welcome to our show today, John. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And so, John, we always are, ask our guests, as kind of like an icebreaker, who impacted you the most to shape the entrepreneur who you are today? Uh, can you share some stories with that? Yeah, I would say the person that impacted me the most, I say would, I think would be two people, two people I would say really impacted me the most. Um, one being my dad, uh, my dad, he, he migrated from Nigeria uh, to the United States in the 80s. And growing up, um, just seeing, you know, seeing what they did in order to get to this country and also seeing uh, everything, also seeing everything that um, my mom did as well to get to this country and also listening to them, making sure that, you know, when it came to, you know, paying attention in school, like, you know, my dad was like, okay, always pay attention in school. But there's one thing that he always said that really stuck with me that, and what that, what that is, is he told me to um, always surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And that was something that has always stuck to me and that I continuously use to this day. Um, another person that had a huge impact on me was uh, one of my really, really good friends, even really good friends until today. I met him when I was in high school. And he's the one who gave me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. When I read that book, it completely changed my mindset when it came to uh, investing, real estate, money. And that's when I actually started going to seminars. And I started going to seminars when I was around 17. Mm-hmm. And that's when I met my first millionaire. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so when you growing up, like, did you have like kind of more a conventional path to your entrepreneurship where you started with a full-time job first and then grind your ways and then you know, then kind of break out into uh, your own business? I would say so. I, I started off on the, as a realtor, I, w- I found investment properties for real estate investors on a single family side. And then one of my investors asked me to come work for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like, John, you know, you're, you're really good at what you do. Um, would you like to come be my acquisitions? And I said, no, I'll think about it. And he's like, well, I'll pay you more than what you're getting paid right now. I was like, okay, I think, I think I'm done thinking about that. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I, I started working for him and I, I helped expand his company. I helped him create another, another side of his company that, that what we did is we started looking, we, 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 we uh, I built a, a side of the company that bought from wholesalers and that's something that he's done before in the past, but he didn't have a wing of the company that was dedicated just to that. And that was something that I was really, really good at. And I was really, really good at having those conversations. And, you know, I both broke multiple records in this company. Um, so, so I did that. And one of the wholesalers I was buying from um, was actually an investor himself. And they were about to start buying apartment buildings. And I did multiple deals with this wholesaler. And um, essentially what happened is they asked me, he's like, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're purchasing multifamily properties. Would you like to start, would you like to uh, work with us? 
Mm-hmm. And I told him, yeah, I'd love to, you know, apartment building is apartment investing was something that I was always interested in. So I started working with them and within 30 days, we had over 400 units on a contract and pretty much never looked back from there on the multifamily side. Gotcha. So you were really strong. It sounds like you were really strong. Your unique ability was finding deals, kind of making the report with seller, essentially, um, and getting that stuff in the contract. Now, can you kind of t- share with us a little bit more about the transition, mental transition, as well as knowledge transition from like single family home wholesaling? Um, essentially finding wholesaling um, business, acquiring from wholesaling to the multifamily space. Um, you know, what is kind of some learning lessons over there? Yeah, yeah I would say uh, some of the learning lessons that I had, uh, the, the only, the, the, I'd say the biggest differences are some of the terminology, the terminology and uh, you, you, you do deeper research when it comes to the underwriting as compared to uh, single family properties. Can you um, give us some examples of like the deeper research that you performed over there? And then what should investor kind of be aware of when, when they're kind of looking into a multifamily property, let's say they're kind of used to the single family buying. Yeah. Yeah. I would say some of the things that really sit out when I did compared to the new multifamily is on the single family side, what I would mainly do is I would just look at comparables in a, in a certain neighborhood. I would look at comparables and I would just have to know the prices of construction, you know, what it, what it would take to in order to uh, new roof, uh, new flooring, different things like that. Uh, those those prices, a lot of those prices did translate onto the multifamily side. Some of those prices did translate. Um, but when it came to understand, when, when it came to a deeper dive as far as underwriting went, we didn't do as deep of a, a deep as deep of a as an analysis as we would do as a multifamily properties. So for example, we didn't have a sophisticated spreadsheet that we would use. I mean, we just had maybe a couple of you know we, you know, we had an idea of what we could buy it at just by industry experience. And okay, you know, if I buy a 1980s build, this is probably what's wrong with it. This is probably what I can do to it. It was just more of like an instinctual kind of thing. But mm-hmm. on the multifamily side, we wrote we essentially um, took a deeper dive in, under, in understanding the market and mm-hmm. took a deeper dive in understanding the, the analytics. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's, especially when you're speaking with especially when it comes to the capital that you're using. And I think it's really because of this more of the sophisticated capital that you're using um, on the multifamily side that's pumping money into the multifamily investments that are going to require mm-hmm. more, more intense underwriting. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, so underwriting is a big difference uh, in terms of complication, the knobs that can include for multifamily versus single family, which kind of makes sense because they are going up in unit counts. Um, and for someone who is kind of just getting into this, because a lot of people will say, well, I want to find a deal. I want to find the money. But for a lot of people, they just realize that the difficulty of doing both of these and then just invest it passively. But for some folks who is listening to us and wanted to kind of get into, into an acquisition position, et cetera, um, what is your advice to them? I would say network. Your network is your net worth. What you want to do is you want to be in front of as many real estate investors as possible. And you want to see how you can add value. You know, you always want to ask them, like, what are they looking to do? What are their goals? How can you help them? Um, and you find one that matches uh, your skill set. You, at the time, I knew I was really good at acquisitions. So I found someone that, that they needed help on the acquisition side. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. You know, they, 
they had um, they had the connections, they had access to capital, mm-hmm. um, they had the construction side, mm-hmm. but they didn't have somebody that was full time on the acquisition side that was good at that was good at acquisitions. So mm-hmm. that's that's where I came in. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, can you walk us through like a typical acquisition? Like, let's say your acquisition person, and then what does a typical day look like for you? That's a really good question. You know, it I when I first started in acquisitions, um, I, there was a lot of phone calls. I did a lot of phone calls. There was a lot of, a you know, we, we went on CoStar. I would call a lot of sellers and I would call a lot of brokers as well. Um, I mean, you could spend the entire day just calling sellers. So you can, you can spend the entire day just calling sellers, making, you know, anywhere between, depending on how long the conversation that you're having, you could make mm-hmm. anywhere between 50 to a hundred phone calls wow. a day. Wow. You know, just really just depending on how, how long the conversations are going. Like if the conversation yeah. is going longer, um, you know, the, the less phone calls you make. Mm-hmm. But I, I soon discovered that brokers were doing the exact same thing I was doing. So, right. well, why don't I just call a lot of brokers? Because if I call 10 brokers, then I've effectively called, you know, okay. a thousand people, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that, that's, 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 that's where I started transitioning into. And I went on, uh, you know, I'm, how I got my first deals, I literally just went on LoopNet. And I called all of the brokers mm-hmm. on in a specific area. And that's how I got my first deal. You know, I was like, hey, you know, you know, if, you know, if it's on LoopNet that it probably isn't a deal. So you call the broker and ask them if they have any other deals. You tell, and then you tell them, hey, I'm working with this group. We purchased over 2,200 properties. Uh, we have over 2,200 units and we're looking to buy more properties, you know, yep. even though we, the company that I was working with, mm-hmm. um, just that company, they've only bought maybe one or two properties at the time, but with their partners and which they had, they gave us the ability to do so with our partners, they had about 2,200 units mm-hmm. and they had bought a deal previously with the partners. So yeah. combined together, we had bought over 2,200 units. So we yeah. had the ability to say that to the broker and they gave the broker a lot more confidence to send us more properties. To closing the deals, et cetera. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, um, and kind of moving forward, I understand that you have went through another transition. Actually, I'm very curious to know, how did someone, because people listening to this, they may be saying, well, John, that's great that somehow you meet uh, people who put you in their company. Like, can you recall back, like some of these conversations, how you first meet the person and that made a difference in your life? Well, like what did you do that was unique? So, because there's many like hundred people, other people in the conferences. How how did they, you know, like how how did you kind of become their one? Well, learning how to talk to people that's definitely that's super important. And there's a lot of books that I'd recommend. Um, of course, you know, you have the legendary book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I recommend that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one of my really, one of my, another one of our, uh, my favorite books is called The Soulmate Sequence. Mm. Now, this book is, uh, it's, they, they call it more of like a dating book. You use it to like learn how to talk to people and different things like that. But everything in that book can be applied to business. It's not, it's not even really a dating book. It's more of like a, I would say, just a how do you talk to people kind of book. Yeah. And it, it, it teaches you how, how to have a conversation. It teaches you how to listen. It teaches you how to keep a conversation going. Mm. It teaches you how to have a deep and meaning, meaningful conversation because it's, it's, it, anybody can talk to somebody, but not very, 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 very few people have the ability to connect with people, you know, instantly. Yeah. That's something that 
reading these books and talking to, you know, going to a lot of networking events, that's something that I, that's a skill set that I started to, to learn how to do and, and something that I started to pick up. That's awesome. That's great uh, wisdom. And then for our listeners, you can add that to your New Year's reading list for sure. Um, and so, John, I understand that you constantly pivoting. You know, one thing that I noticed the successful entrepreneurs have is that they continue to pivot. Um, and they're looking for the right opportunity that, that's suited for their skill sets. A lot of self-internal search are also an external search. So can you kind of walk us through, you know, yet another transition uh, from your previous, um, you know, previous venture into your new venture, not necessarily new venture, but into your kind of the next chapter of your life? Well, I've always wanted to be a fund manager. I've always wanted to be a fund manager, even well, since... Where does that come from, you think? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think that I wanted to do it before I even understood what it was. Um, in high school, I remember taking a personality test. I was maybe 16 at the time. And I got a wealth manager. That was one of the things that popped up. And after that, you know, after when I went to college, I studied under a financial advisor. I, I apprenticed under a financial advisor for a little bit. And they would refer to themselves as wealth managers. Um, and what I wanted to do is I wanted to combine wealth management and real estate. You know, uh, I didn't really know what that was, but I, I remember reading a book called The King of Capital. Mm. It was uh, on Steve Schwartzman and the start uh, on Steve Schwartzman and Blackstone. I remember reading that book and I was like, that's it. Like, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I want to do private equity. I didn't even really know what private equity meant. I just kept throwing that word around and hoping somebody would stick to somebody and they would tell me what it was. Yeah. You know, I just, I didn't, I didn't even really know what that was, but I just kept, you know, telling people like, yeah, I'm going to have my own fund and I'm going to do private equity, real estate. And, you know, over time, uh, after networking a lot, I, I, I went to a, uh, a ULI event, an urban land Institute event. Mm -hmm. I remember just graduating college. I didn't remember not having any money. And this event was like $60, for, to go to a breakfast, to go to one breakfast was $60. Yeah. And I was like, like, what kind of breakfast are these guys eating? What kind of breakfast are these guys eating? Yeah. And I just remembered there's just something in me that was like, just go. Like it was, it was a risk, but I was like, you know what, just go to it. I remember going to the breakfast, you know, I was the youngest guy in there. Everybody had gray hair. Everyone was senior vice president of this, senior vice president of that. I remember sitting at a table. Of course, I was the youngest, the youngest one there. And everybody was like C-suite or president of something or senior vice president of something. Yeah. And we were going around the table introducing ourselves. And I was like, and me, I was interning at a financial advising company. Yeah. I wasn't in real estate at the time. Yeah. And everyone was kind of introducing themselves. And it's like, oh, okay. And then it came to me. I was like, oh, well, you know, my name is John. I uh, am, fun I'm a, you know, interning at this place. And I went to Texas A&M. And there was a guy that kind of just like looked at me, just like, as soon as I said, finished, he just like looked at me and the entire time we were all eating and he would kind of just come and just like, look at me. Yeah. And after the event, we were all, um, he came up to me, like he put his arm around me. He was like, Johnny went to a and I was like, yeah, I went to a and I was like, I went to a and too. I'm going to introduce you to everybody up here that you need to talk to. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And he's so, like, I'm going to introduce you to the number five most powerful woman in real estate. 
And that's what I did. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. So putting yourself in somewhere, just kind of going out there and not really worried about everybody else maybe better than you. Actually, intentionally putting yourself in situations where everybody is better than you. In is, fact, is, I'll give you. I'll give you another um, another instance too. Yeah. Um, so so there's there's that where I you know met a lot of people. I met people that way and. Uh, about in 2018, when I first started working for uh, in multifamily, mm-hmm. I still had that private equity bug. I always wanted to do private equity. So I called, I went on Google and I searched private equity real estate. Yeah. And I searched, looked for event, private equity events. And I saw this event in New York. It seemed yeah. like an event that a whole bunch of people that are extremely wealthy yeah. would go to. And I was like, you know, I want to be like those guys. Let me, how, how am I going to go to this event? The ticket was, I don't know, three or four thousand dollars, of course, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so I remember calling the um the I remember calling the company and saying, Hey, I'd like to volunteer at one of these events. And yeah. they're like, sure, whatever, right? They're like, Yeah, whatever. I was like, Yeah, I'm, I'm in college, can I volunteer? And like, oh, just email this person, email that person. They replied back, Oh, no, you no, you can't do it, or whatever. Yeah. I just, you know, I kept emailing them, kept calling them, mm-hmm. and I, you know. A couple months later, emailed them again, called them again. I was like, hey, there's this event in Los Angeles. Can I, yeah. can I uh, volunteer at it? And they're like, sure. I guess I guess they didn't really think that much about it. I, I guess normally they would try to like check your background and check all these other things. Yeah. And they just, someone forwarded, someone didn't even read my email. They just forwarded it to the, ma- the event manager. Yeah. And the event manager was like, oh, like, you know, can you do this? And I was like, yeah, I can. I was like, yeah. okay, we'll show up this day. Yeah. Like, nice that's it. Okay. So I just remember showing up, I brought, bought a plane ticket. I showed up, it was, we were in uh, Los Angeles and um, it was at the Omni hotel in Los Angeles. And it was just private equity real estate event. It was called payray private equity real estate. Um, There was owned by PIE uh, private equity uh, international. Some, uh, uh, I believe it's a company in in London, I believe uh, in Europe. And they had this event where a whole bunch of uh, operators and family office people and stuff like that would come up. And I, what I would do is I volunteered and I gave everybody their name tag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh, so you know who, who it is. Yeah. But the thing That's is, I didn't know anything about real estate private equity at the time. I, I yeah. didn't even know what a GP or an LP was. Yeah. I had no idea. I couldn't even, you know, I remember, I remember one of, I remember one of the other volunteers, they're like, oh yeah, that guy's like a GP in this or LP. And then I was like, you know, what is this? What, what GP, LP, why people are like talking about the alphabet here? Like what, what's going on? Like what, you right. know, what's, what's going <laughs> <Right>. on? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at, at that event, um, I met someone that I'm actually now working on doing a deal with. He nice. was a fund manager in Dallas Mm-hmm. And he had his own fund and we, we connected at that event, you know, um, I knew everybody in there was like very well off because they had actual protesters that walked into the event. I was like, Oh, like these guys must be really rich, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's also Los Angeles. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so now you have kind of broken up from your transitioning from your previous acquisition position into um, the, the, the capital side of the world um, in terms of uh, being a fund manager. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that transition? What do you feel like it was a really good you know, lesson learned from the acquisition, the previous life that you had 
and then plopped it into the capital side of the world um, that kind of really helped you to accelerate it. And, and then what are um, some challenges or some of the mindset resets uh, that you have to do uh, to help you fit into the new position that you're in? Yeah, uh, it, uh, extremely. So there was definitely, definitely a transition period going from working for, for someone working for someone to essentially working for yourself is mm-hmm. completely different, completely. Yeah. You know, you have to manage yourself. Um, you know, you, you see a lot of the things that, um, let's say if there's something that you're not good at and let's say organization or something like that, it becomes more apparent when you're working for yourself. <laughs> right. Cause you're the best yeah. that's to help you with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you have to, you have to find out, find out certain different systems in order to uh, help in those aspects, either there are different systems or you have to hire someone that can help in that aspects that can fill the gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that's probably one of the biggest things, you know, you learn a lot about yourself uh, mm-hmm. when you start working for yourself. Um, and also, uh, yeah, I would say, I would say that's the biggest thing. Now, the biggest thing is the thing that you learned about yourself as you're, as you're making mm-hmm. that transition. Uh, yeah. I, I would say that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, I guess, what do you focus on right now? And then when you're thinking about next five years, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, so what I'm focusing on right now is I've, I've seen a huge, I saw, I see a huge need for mezzanine and preferred equity and multifamily deals from mm-hmm. a, a one to $5 million check size. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is something that I've heard from like very, very large GPs, even small GPs and somebody that they can trust, they can write them checks. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, that, I feel like that fits my personality very, very well. You know, I've met with multiple GPs that have expressed the same concern. And, you know, the network that I have right now, um, that I, I, you know, it's actually a guy, the one of the guys that I met at the private equity event, you know, he is the guy who's back, essentially backing the fund that I'm doing. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's the one who's backing it. He's, he's the one who's essentially writing the checks. Mm-hmm. So sorry, what was your question again? <laughs> oh yeah. So, so that's kind of what you're focusing right now, yeah. which is kind of carving out the MESDET and the private equity um, currently, but where do you see yourself in five years? In five years, I see myself managing multiple billions um, and having other credit strategies and uh, different verticals. So I see myself doing preferred and mezzanine debt and not only in, in multifamily, but uh, in office. Uh, and also I see myself lending in uh, triple net lease projects. Um, mm-hmm. I see myself lending on different restaurants, uh, essentially different verticals uh, within the credit space. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you kind of put yourself, it's kind of interesting, it's coming from the real estate background, but yet now you're kind of focused more on the capital side, which is really the capital markets, the debt side of the interesting um, information over there. Um, like, how do you think um, yourself, is there like a goal that you set up? But like, what does your kind of typical day look like to keep yourself motivated? Yeah. Um, so of course, following up with all the different sponsors that I'm working with every single day, following up with them and also um, following up with any capital, you know, the LPs, mm-hmm. uh, there's only, there's all, I have only have, only have maybe two or three LPs that I work with. So mm-hmm. following up with them, staying in close contact with them, letting them, letting them know the deals that I'm working on. Uh, but yeah, overall, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And then also networking, 
um, making sure that the people that are my, in my network, that they're taken care of, you know, if there's anything that they need from me, any kind of connection that I need to send to them, mm-hmm. I make sure I send that to them. And then uh, finding the next opportunity, finding, but I, another thing that I like to do is I like to look for myself in five years, you know, who do I want to be in five years? And mm-hmm. I try to position myself either to work with them somehow or to um, to hang out with them. I try to position myself to hang out with them and be around those kinds of areas where the person that I want to, would want to be is hanging out there. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, that's awesome. And how does that our listener find more information about you, John? Yeah, like a good way, a great way to connect with me is you can reach me at uh, John at acochaequitypartners.com. Uh, you can also reach me at uh, Johnny Equity uh, on Instagram. And those are the those are the two best ways. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, John, for your time today. And uh, thank you for sharing all the wealth of knowledges and the books to read um, in terms of transitioning your mindset from an employee to entrepreneur and then constantly keeping up with pivoting of the business. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. I look forward to getting on again. Yeah, same here. Okay, talk to you soon. Thank you.